Okay, today I'm answering a question, and I like to answer questions. That's a good thing to do, and we need always have a forum here. If you have a question, you can write it down, put it in the offering box, and I'll get it that way, or you can hand it to me, and I'll shove it in some pocket, <laughs> and uh, I'll find it eventually, okay? But uh, I have a question here. I have another one that I will, next time we meet, We'll answer that one, but uh, this one doesn't have a name on it, so I don't know whether they're here or not. I hope they are. If they're not, uh, that's it. Okay. Uh, here's the question, and it's an interesting one. Can Satan plant a seed of untruth in our minds when we are sleeping? Uh, psycho psychologists like to trace back to our past that must make the nightmare true suppressing, etc. But could it be that there is uh, nothing to trace it back to but simply Satan working over time? So it's a question about uh, if you're sleeping, uh, could Satan shove something in your mind? And so we're going to talk about a little bit about that, a little bit about Satan, and a little bit about sleeping. And uh, things like that. Uh, we'll start with Psalm number 121. Psalm number 121. Oh, here's the thing you always should remember. Don't forget this about Satan. Because people give him a lot of credit that he's not due. Alright? <laughs> Satan is not omnipresent. Satan, he is not omnipresent. Which means he cannot be everywhere all the time. God can. God is omnipresent. You can talk to him wherever you are at any time, at any place. Satan is not. He can only be one place at a time. And when we find him in the Bible, we'll see that. Uh, he's usually where he can do the most harm. He was looking for a guy named Job. And Job, it says, was the best man in the earth. And so naturally, Satan wants to take down the best man. I heard a story about a little old lady, and she said, oh, Satan's been bothering me all day. And the preacher said, well, how come? She said, I've been baking cookies. And he said, oh, I know Satan doesn't like cookies. <laughs> well, it's silly, all right? Satan doesn't care about that, all right? <laughs> and Satan is, can only be one place. He's not going to be bothering you while you make cookies, okay? He's only one place at one time. Obviously, there are other forces. He's not alone. He has demons and so forth that are in his uh, uh, control, all right? And so... Uh, usually you'll find Satan where absolutely he wants to be at, the mo at that moment. Example, Judas Iscariot. All right? The most important thing for Satan was to get him to betray Jesus. And he spent his time working on Judas Iscariot. And that's what he has done. And so he probably doesn't know we're alive. All right? But his people do. 
And uh, so, can Satan put something in your mind while you're sleeping? Psalm 121, uh, verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And so, when you go to sleep, God doesn't say, well, they're sleeping now, forget them. All right? He's right there watching when you're sleeping, protecting you. And that's what he says here. When you're sleeping, God is there. Back to Psalm number three, right in the beginning, Psalm number three. Uh, and here it says the same thing in a little different way. Psalm number three in verse five, I laid me down and slept. I awakened for the Lord sustained me or the Lord kept control over me while I was sleeping. So the question, first of all, can Satan come and stick something in your mind while you're sleeping? The answer is, I would say, no. I would say, no, he can't actually do that. All right. Now you understand when he's trying to put something in your mind, what is it? Well, he's got two things that he works on. He works on lies, all right? And he works on temptation, works to tempt. And that's his way of working. And so Jesus said he's a liar from the beginning. Everything he says is a lie. All right? So that's, we're going to keep that in our mind. What Satan's telling us is always a lie, all right? And, and uh, <clears throat> The other thing is temptation. He wants to tempt you away, or his forces want to tempt you away from God and get you away from church, get you away from doing what's right. And he's going to do his best to tempt you away from church, all right? He's going to work on that. He's going to work on any way he can uh, to get people to stop coming. And him and his forces are very successful at that. I've been here for 34 years. I've seen a lot of people tempted away. A lot of people tempted away, all right? Or they say, well, I don't need it. And, well, it's, I got other things, and before you know it, they're gone, all right? And that's swallowing a temptation, and he likes that. All right, so what do we do? What do we do about that? Does it have to do with dreams, all right? Well, let's look at Ecclesiastes after Psalms and Proverbs. There's a little book of Ecclesiastes. This is written by Solomon. Solomon was one of the great minds of all times. And uh, he understood a lot about life. And he says something in here about a dream. So you say, well, I have a dream. What, what should I do with the dream? Well, let's see what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, <clears throat> verse number 3. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business. All right, so he's explaining to us why we have dreams, all right? And he says it's from a multitude of business. All right, you're busy all day. Your mind is going zzzz, And when you lay down, does it stop real well? 
I look at some of you, no, no, it never goes, 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 goes. Mine does too. Mine's going continuously all the time. And so Solomon says, you're running around like a nut. You're doing everything you can think of and trying to accomplish things. And your mind is very busy. He said, and so when you dream, your, your mind takes the busyness and says, here, what, what comes out of it. All right, 99% of the time, it's just a lot of crazy thoughts, all right? There's nothing to be afraid of, all right? Now, can a dream come from God? Well, the Bible says that dreams can come from God. There's a lot of people in the Bible who had dreams sent from God, all right? Are yours, are mine. I'm going to give you an example of two things that happened to me. <clears throat> and uh, uh, number one, uh, when my mother died. My mother died, and I was very involved in her care and so forth. At the end, we did a lot and had a big funeral and everything for her. And a little, a couple of days later, I had this dream. I was in my cage. <laughs> they used to keep me in a cage, okay? <laughs> uh, where I worked, I, I was in charge of parts, and they had them in a cage, and I had an office in the cage. So they said, well, Eric's in his cage, or you always go to him. And I was, it had its dream, and I turned around, and my mother walked in the door and come walking over to my cage. And she got right next to me, and I'm looking her right in the eye, and she didn't say one word. And then I woke up, and I had to tell myself, your mother just died because it's so real. All right, so real. I had to say, all right, Eric, you, you, <laughs> your mother just died. All right, so I, I thought, well, maybe God had something to do with it. Well, then when my father died, uh, I had another dream, same thing, all the things that happened. And then uh, I had a dream. We were in our backyard with my wife and I and the kids and so forth. And all of a sudden, wandering out of the trees came my father, which is exactly what he would have done. Uh, he always came wandering through the trees. And he came wandering out of the trees. I said, hey, come here, over here. And he came over, and I woke up. He didn't say anything. And I thought that maybe two dreams came to me from God where he was saying, okay, they're okay. They're in good shape. I just want you to know, all right? Now, I can't prove that in any way, but I think that those two dreams, if I ever had a dream come from God, that those, because when I woke up, it was so real. In both cases, I had to tell myself, let's see, is he still alive or not? <laughs> I had to sort it out in my mind. So I think that God can use a dream. Can Satan use a dream? Well, I'm going to say... Uh, no, but I'm going to carefully say that. Because we have a responsibility, and that's what we got to look at first. All right, so Romans chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans chapter 12. You and I have a responsibility. Um, and the responsibility is explained to us here 
in verse number 2, Romans 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All right, and so it is your responsibility and my responsibility uh, to renew our minds. Change the way we think. When we, before we know God and before we come to believe in him and trust in him as our savior, uh, we, our minds function a certain way, the way that everybody else's mind works out in the world. All right, we view things as this belongs to me, I can do what I want, so on and so forth. And we have a certain way that we think, usually it's very self-centered. All right, now he says, after you become a believer, you are required to transform that mind, or that is, change the way you think. All right, we have to change the way we think. So we have to start to look at the world through the way God looks at it. Well, the only way you're going to get there is with the Bible. I right, don't think, well, I'm going to start thinking like God now. It don't work like that. All right? God said, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Right, so how are we going to think like God? Well, we're going to read the Bible, get it, understand it, and then start to change so that instead of a self-centered point of view in the way we think, we're now going to think with a God-centered point of view. What does God want? How is God in charge? What will God do? All right, and so we're going to transform the way we think. And I think sometimes people's failure to do that is what puts bad thoughts in your mind. Because they're there naturally. They're there naturally. And until we transform the way we think about life in particular, all right, we're going to have thoughts come roaming through that say, whoa, where did that come from? All right, it comes naturally. It's part of our old nature. And so he says, you're going to have to transform the way you think. Now, here's a, a real fascinating one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is really how you how you transform your mind to think right. It's not an easy job, but it, it, this is a pretty powerful statement. Paul's talking about how he does it. All right. Chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, verse 5. Casting down imaginations, that's you're letting your mind go and imagine whatever you want, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, all right, and we think about God and the way he runs the world, how he wants things to be, all right, he says we need to think about that, not uh, egocentric world or where we're the center but a God-centered world where he's the center and then he says bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ so you have a wandering thought come through your mind All right? you ever had that? everybody shake your head or you're a liar 
<laughs> yeah, sure, we always have wandering thoughts come through our head. You see that one, yeah, you're not going to wander around in my mind. I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to take it captive. All right, and so when that bad thought comes wandering through, you say, no, 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 no. I got some other things I'm thinking about, and I'm going to bring every thought to obey God. And so when we say, well, Satan's troubling me, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the darkness, powers of darkness don't want you to focus on God, don't want you to concentrate. They want you to be selfish, encourage your selfishness. And transforming your mind is going to change that until you grab a hold of every thought and say, hey, hey. Now, there's a good way to do it, uh, and I recommend this highly. Psalms number 63, book of Psalms. I think David was one of those guys that didn't sleep at night. All right? And some of you know what I'm talking about. My wife gets up and says, did you sleep? Sometimes I just shrug my shoulders. <laughs> you didn't sleep at all? Oh, I slept a little. But I don't sleep a lot. Just the way it's always been. Psalm 63, verse number 5. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Now, a night watch was every three hours. Okay, so the first night watch was, was at uh, 6 o'clock, and then 9 o'clock at night, and then midnight, and then 3 in the morning, and then 6 in the morning. Those were the watches of the night. So he's saying every three hours I'm up. What am I doing? I'm thinking about God. I'm saying my prayers. When you wake up, don't say... Man, how am I ever going to get back to sleep? Just say your prayers. Talk to God. All right? And that's what he says he did. He said, I did it all through the night. I pray and then wake up. Can't pray. Pray. You pray. And that'll be the best thing you can do. Now, let me give you uh, one more here that I think is a help. Uh, James chapter number 4. Then I'm going to go on to the other part of this question, which to me is a little more interesting than this. All right, the second part of the question. James, <coughs> James chapter 4. Trying to read my writing. James chapter 4. Okay, verse number 7. Here is if you're afraid of that dark thought and you think it's something's planting it in your mind, remember God's here to help. But submit, verse 7 submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. All right, that's a good thing to know. All right, if he's hanging around you, saying, "I feel this dark thought coming into my mind," say, "Hey, back off, Jack. Talk to him. Get out. I'm not dealing with you today. I'm not going to allow you to come into my mind. So you resist him. The promise is he'll flee." 
And the best way is, hey, in Jesus' name, goodbye. All right? Jesus has infinite power over Satan, infinite power. And you can say, I'm asking you, Lord, to get rid of him in your name, and he'll, he'll leave you alone. All right, so you don't need to worry about constantly being uh, threatened by Satan. You need to renew your mind, all right, and that's very much a part of, of changing the way you think. But we had this other thing mentioned here in the question, and this is a part of what psychology does, and I'm here to disagree with it and, and uh, argue with it, certainly. For sure. And that is, people say, all right, you've done something in your life, or more precisely, somebody did something very bad to you. A parent, a neighbor, somebody. And you it hurt so much that you forgot it. You can't remember it. You have suppressed it in your memory. All right? And so psychologists say, well, we're here to help you out. We're going to release you from this suppressed memory. We're going to help you find what it is and talk it out and you'll be free. All right? Don't buy that, not for one second. Don't buy it. All right? Because if you think about it, all right? You say, well, you know, I'm behaving this way and must be somebody did something to me. Too painful to remember. And the psychiatrist says, yeah, let me make some suggestions. Your mother said, your father said, now, I don't know about you, but when something bad happens to me, I got a pretty good memory of it. <laughs> Something nasty happens, something bad happens. I got a real good memory of it, as a matter of fact, all right? And most people are like that. Right? If something bad happens to you, somebody mistreats you even in a really bad way, you say, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Of course you remember it, all right? In the kingdom of Jesus, Jesus said, here's how you're going to handle it. And Peter said, what? He said, Jesus said, you're going to forgive them. And Peter said, so what if they do it seven times? And Jesus said, then you're going to forgive them 70 times seven. Just 490 times. <laughs> That's what our lives are based on, my friends. Are based on forgiveness. If we're going to live our life, we're going to have to go back and forgive. Somebody's been hard on you, you've got to go back and forgive. My sister was a psychologist, pretty successful one. School psychologist, had her own business as a psychologist. And <laughs> she came to our house one time for a, a yearly visit. She was saying, well, it's our parents that made me this way. And I said to her, you know what? I said, I think I'm responsible for myself. I don't think my parents got anything to do with it. She looked at me and said, you're so mentally healthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
not mental. It's not mental health. It's the word of God taking into your heart. And he says, the only way you're going to deal with life is forgive. Every young couple that I marry, I tell them, look, you got this. And if you don't get this, you're not going to make it. We have to forgive. We have to. It's not a choice. Well, I'm not going to. No, 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 no. Jesus said you have to forgive what? If you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. So he's laid it out before us very clearly. All right? So if in our life somebody has been hard, and don't let these people come along and say, well, I'm sure it's a suppressed memory, and we're going to awaken that memory. He can put whatever he wants in there. He's going to stick anything he thinks will fit in there and try to get you to do what? Blame somebody else. That's what that's about. The suppression of memory, going to blame somebody else. All right, so we'll find out. Was it your mom? Was it your dad? Like my sister saying, it must have been mom and dad. It wasn't mom and dad. It's just your own self. All right, just your own self. And you must live with the rule of forgiveness. And so when it comes to this kind of thought, well, Satan's something in my mind and maybe uh, I'm suppressed. No, no, don't, don't think that line. That's psychology 101 today. And there are people who are trying to get you to blame somebody else for a condition that you have and you can go to get it fixed with Jesus. He'll fix the condition, all right? He'll come to you, help you to forgive, help you to understand, all right? And, and that's how you get fixed, all right? Now, Ezekiel, here's an odd one, Ezekiel. We finish with this thought, Ezekiel, chapter number 18. Here's the clearest statement in the Bible, which is against the suppression of memory that psychologists suggest. All right, so I'd like you just to be mentally healthy. (laughs) Let's all be mentally healthy, all right? Or we don't need somebody to, uh, well, we'll help you find somebody to blame. No, no. Here it is, Ezekiel 18, verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. The Bible very clearly says, look, don't blame mom and dad. All right, if you're wrong, if you're doing something wrong, don't blame them. It's not their fault. Well, they didn't raise me. Well, get your act together and get it fixed. All right? You are responsible. He says here, you're responsible for yourself. You can't go to God and say, you know, here I am on the judgment day, and dad did this, and mom did that, and the neighbor did this, and the pastor did that. No, no. He said, you're responsible for yourself. However, it comes in your life, you're responsible and you can't.
push it off on somebody else. All right, so that whole game of a suppression of memory, watch it, because they're there to turn you, all right, into the wrong road. Our road is forgiveness. That's where we go, all right? We don't go down this other road where we're going to find somebody to blame and hold it against them for the rest of their life. My mother and father didn't do everything right, all right? But I don't have to worry about that. I got to worry about what Eric did. What Eric did and what Eric got to fix, what Eric's got to take care of, that's what I got to worry about, all right? And that and then will be, that's the way God's going to handle it, okay? So the dark evil thought, Satan's not going to stick it in your mind at night. God's watching over you, keeping track of you. If you have the wandering thought, we got to learn to rethink or retrain our minds to think as a God-centered way, as, uh, as opposition to our own self-centered way. Change the way you think. He said, don't let the wandering thought hang around. Grab it and say, no, no. If I wake up in the night, I'm going to pray. I'm going to think of good thoughts about God. And that'll help take care of the dark thought that comes wandering through. And don't let anybody say, you can blame somebody else. Because you can't. It's your own self. Your own fault. Look in the mirror. Say, you. You're the one. We got to deal with you and let God help you. All right? Thank you. Thank you.